The Crude Life, every Monday through Thursday with a week in review on Friday. Crude Life Podcast. I am your host, Jason Spies. Some have called me the North Dakota Nomad. Others, the Shale Play Prophet. Others, things I'm not going to mention here on this podcast. I'd like to mention Provolone, our entitled intern, is managing the production element of the podcast, which we are broadcasting here from the Hatch Coaching Studios. We're going to be joined by Kirsten Jesperson on the Mile High Employment Solutions a little bit later on in the program on our Bakken Barbecue phone lines. And our featured interview, I actually go and sit down with a group of high school students up in Watford City. Now, we've aired portions of it on the podcast here, but I realized looking back in my show notes, we never aired the interview in its entirety. Now, I know you can go take a look at it and you can check it out, but I do think it's podcast worthy. I definitely think that the kids up in Watford would love to have it on their own individual podcast instead of just clips here and there and news stories and that sort of thing. So that's going to be our interview on the second half of the program. And I really invite you folks to check it out. This has been part of the Crude Life's mission now for a while. Provolone, one of the reasons you're here is to continue our reach out, our connection, our integration, our communication with the youth, with tomorrow's leaders today, because things are happening, things are changing, and we need to think differently. We need to reimagine energy We need to recycle energy. We need to repurpose energy. We need to reinvent energy, recharge energy. What else we got here? Recycle energy. Did I say that one? Well, we need to do a lot. Redo energy. There we go. Point is, we haven't been connecting. In fact, in NAEP last week, that's what they talked about. We talked about it here on The Crude Life for the last several years. So much so, we brought it to Gillette, Wyoming, to Colorado, to the Black Hills, to the Bakken, to other conferences, including this radio show and podcast, where we talked about we are out of touch. We are out of touch. And I hope, uh, Provolone, you put that in the headlines, something about the NAEP conference. Uh, we, we covered it quite a bit too, but I'm curious to see maybe how some of the other media outlets covered it as well. Uh, so headlines coming up a little later in the program here. So we got the Watford City High School student ambassadors, Emma, Taylor, Ellie, and Lydia. They're going to talk about growing up in an oil and gas uh, town, what it's like. They work a little bit with industry. They have a program out there that industry works at the school, so they learn about or actually become aware more than anything about welding and the different trades that probably aren't talked about at home as much as they should be, but it's where the country's going. And some of it might be the STEM, you know, the artificial intelligence side of things, or it might be the traditional trades like welding, that sort of thing. And some of the kids, they just might be uh, like a secretary at a welding shop just to become integrated by it and do like a job shadowing type of a thing. Really helps quite a bit with the education and the training. So some excellent stuff happening in Watford City. This is the type of thing that they were talking about in NAEP last week, to be honest. So I I think you folks will really enjoy it. Uh, Kirsten Jesperson, Mile High Employment Solutions, gives the top three professional needs in the Bakken and Rocky Mountain region to end the program. Like I said, our headlines, 
Mark your calendars. It's time for our daily event here at the Crude Life Podcast. And we say daily, we mean Monday through Thursday with a weekend review on Friday. But we are going to talk about Energy Outreach Colorado. They've got an event happening, Energy Outreach Colorado, to host an energy poverty demonstration behind these walls. Thursday, February 27th. They're going to host it in Denver, Colorado at the Denver Union Station from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. It's free and open to the public. In fact, Provolone, let's get somebody on to talk about this. And this comes to us from Destiny McMillan. Destiny's out there fighting the good fight as a senior landman out in Colorado. So, Destiny, thank you for emailing jason at thecrudelife.com. That's jason at thecrudelife.com. With Behind These Walls happening February 27th, 2020. So uh, folks, if you have an event happening in the oil and gas industry and you'd like to get on our mark your calendar segment, because every day we're just going to give you one event. The links are available at the Crude Life website. So if you want to go to our show page for today, you can certainly check it out. All right, coming up around the bend here, we've got some Watford City students going to be talking about what it's like growing up in an oil and gas community and working with industry a little bit. But first, I want to mention today's sponsor. Because here at The Crude Life, we're extremely grateful for our sponsors. Number one, they keep the lights on. Number two, it is our responsibility, once those lights are on, to inform, educate, and entertain the people as much as we can about how exactly those lights continue to get on. And where do those light bulbs come from? And how do they get delivered here? And all kinds of the good stuff that goes along with the ecosystem involved in the crude life. You know what that means, folks. So today's sponsor, Crestwood Equity Partners. Crestwood Equity Partners is a publicly traded master limited partnership that owns and operates midstream assets located primarily in the Marcellus, Bakken, Delaware, Permian, PRB Niobrara, Barnett Shale, and, and Fayetteville. For more information on Crestwood Equity Partners, visit CrestwoodLP.com. That's CrestwoodLP.com. Or go to the Crude Life Podcast show page and click on the links there. The Crude Life, every Monday through Thursday with a week in review on Friday. Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking, the Davis Refinery. Welcome back to the Crude Life Podcast. My name is Jason Spees. Thank you, folks, for joining us right here in the Hatch Coaching Studios. Coming up a little bit later in the program, Kirsten Jesperson with Mile High Employment Solutions will be joining us on our Bakken Barbecue phone lines. We're going to be joining the high school students from Watford City to talk about industry, about the youth, about working together, all coexisting, good stuff coming up here just around the bend. And we sit down with those students as well. Also, I do want to mention, if you folks are at thecrudelife.com, we have all kinds of exclusive interviews there. Any interview you hear here at the Crude Life podcast, you will find on thecrudelife.com, as well as our headlines, which are coming up next 
here on the Crude Life Podcast. Provolone, our entitled intern, who has not yet been able to speak yet on this program. Folks, just in case you're joining us for the first time, Provolone, our entitled intern, uh, was was given to us or was asked, I should say, to be our intern by uh, Mama and Papa OGC. Mama and Papa OGC Oil and Gas Company. Uh, they own a modest oil and gas company, but they called one day and asked if the crude life could take on their son as an intern because he had been majoring in entitlement at the university. And they thought it was high time that he learned how to hard work, how to get some hard work in, some real ethic, and some respect from the industry to the land and respect to the people. I mean, this is a 160-year-old industry. This is, you know, there's been a lot of blood, sweat, and tears put into this provolone. So we'd hate to see it just all of a sudden on a bunch of platitudes and social media posts go away. We're trying to, we're healing millions here at the crude life. You know that provolone? That's what we are. We're esoteric energy. We throw out the script. It's all organic. You're the boss when it comes to the podcast. I get that. I'm the old radio guy. I get it. But again, when you do a radio show, you're part of a program. You're part of a system. News, weather, commercials, PSAs, all kinds of things that are a part of that. Podcast, the person just has to download and listen to it on their own time. Totally two different animals, man. But we're going to make it work. And that's why you are in charge of the podcast. Because I'm just the old guy that speaks into the mic and yells at the newspaper. Yeah. You keep that up, Provolone. You'll be speaking by 2022 on this program. Know your role is what they say. All right, let's see what you picked today here. Oh, goody, good for you. New Mexico oil production still soaring. This comes from the Albuquerque Journal. Folks, if you're joining us here for the first time, what headlines are is we read the headline in the first two paragraphs because that is exactly how pretty much everybody reads and gathers and processes news today. So we're going to we do the same thing. We read the headline, first couple paragraphs, move on. And that's the that's that's my story, so I'm sticking to it. That was I think it was Paul Harvey. Oh, my word. I am so old. All right. uh, Let's see. (laughs) New Mexico oil production still soaring. Albuquerque Journal. New Mexico's oil patch is showing unprecedented resilience despite declining prices for crude, a chronic market glut, and sluggish output in other U.S. states and basins. As of November, last year's production on New Mexico's side of the Permian Basin had reached Uh, 297 million barrels, up 33% from the first 11 months of 2018, according to the latest statistics from the Oil Conservation Division. When December tallies are in, total 2019 output is expected to soar well above the 300 million mark. So what this tells me, folks, is that the same thing it tells me in the Bakken, same thing that tells me in uh, the Permian, which this is the Permian, this is the New Mexican Permian, New Mexico's Permian. But uh, here's here's been my point is even when the downturn was happening and uh, I'm going to talk about the Bakken, which is my backyard. I mean, there was they were really afraid there about the rig counts because one of the reasons that you're afraid of the rig counts is if you lose your workers, they might not come back. I mean, they, you know, low oil prices, you might not get your workers back. And so hanging on to his, the rig counts and the crews is, is just vital. And so with that said, 
they still are pumping out a million barrels a day in the Bakken, and they're still putting out great numbers in the Permian. So what this tells me is that the stars, which could be pricing and regulation and private and BLM, there's, there's a number of stars out there that make oil and gas industry work and they need to align, okay? And in the Bakken, for example, um, you're around the Watford City and, the, and Williston area because the price points are very good. And if the price goes up to $60, $70, $80, well, then you can start getting away a little bit from that core. That's my guess down there and, and the Permian is that some of the planets now got aligned and they've got themselves a little bit of an industry to where price is just dictating where they're drilling. So it's, again, I, I go back to we need to figure out a new way to count rig counts and we need to understand that a lot of the oil industry has turned into a commodity game now to where it just become it's now a price, it's a price point. Now, but the, there's the wild card of getting the workers and all that, but uh, they know where the oil is. So it's just down to the price point in a lot of different places now. It's not, you know, the guessing game is gone. I mean, they got, they can drill that sucker two miles deep and two miles horizontal, hit a pie plate and flush it all out. Woo! That is some innovation, folks. I tell you what, we're going to get to the next headline here, which is Parsley Energy CEO debuts shale New Deal in appeal to Generation Z. The oil and gas industry faces an existential crisis caused by Wall Street dissatisfaction and a belief by most teens that the industry does, not, does more harm than good. Parsley Energy CEO Matt Gallagher warned on Wednesday at the NAEP Summit in Houston. Known for embracing social justice causes and fighting pollution that causes climate change, Generation Z has defined by Pew Research as those born between 1997-2012. Their views about oil and gas, as well as declining enrollment in university petroleum engineering programs, have placed that generation on a collision course with the industry, Gallagher said. Okay, this is a great story, and I'm glad that the industry is coming out and talking about this. Provolone, you got some homework now. Uh, we talked about this last summer. In fact, I, we talked about this the last three years. I was getting uh, some daggers stared at me and uh, some companies that wouldn't talk to me after I said this exact same message last summer at several different speaking engagements. One of the reasons why I'm called the Shale Play Prophet is because of stories like this. This is not patting myself on the back. All of the interviews are available at thecrudelife.com. They're there. This is a conversation we've been having for three years. My son is 13 years old. And if you're not reaching him through YouTube, Instagram, or something else like that on his phone, you ain't reaching him. Sometimes I got to text him just to come upstairs for dinner because he's not hearing me. So that's the reality of it. Uh, we're going to dive more into that later. And I am very glad that the, by the way, and this is not a critique on the industry. This is good. We're finally talking about it. This is about time that we're talking about it. Now, I think it's a little late. And I think that we need to have a serious talk about it, not just platitudes. And the, here's why I say that. Shale, new deal. I've got some serious concerns about that. And here's my concerns. And these are not to shoot the messenger. I'd like you to ask any ad agency or marketing director out there. Coming out with the Shale New Deal, what that has done is that has validated the Green New Deal. The industry is now reacting 
to the Green New Deal. We validated it. So instead of controlling the conversation, we're validating it. Instead of controlling the conversation, a 16-year-old with Asperger's is running around the world talking about ending fossil fuels, getting the top billing at UN conferences when the scientists are not, when the petroleum engineers are not. The industry needs to take back the conversation. That's what needs to happen. 96% of what people use on a daily basis needs fossil fuels. 96%. So we're beyond platitudes. And industry leaders, political leaders, now's the time to grab a hold of the conversation and take back the narrative. Reinvent energy. Reinvent energy. That's what we're trying to do at The Crude Life. And no, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. All I'm saying is we're taking a chance. We're trying something different. You're going to listen to an interview in about five minutes with a group of high school kids that I drove out to Watford City, sat down with them, communicated, integrated, enveloped myself with these kids and their peers. Got a vibe for it. That's what we're doing at The Crude Life. We've been doing this from years all the way back to when we started sponsoring the Kids in Capitalism and started arranging interviews with CEOs like Harold Hamm with young multimedia kidpreneurs, taking them to different tours of different facilities in order to help them understand what is going on on a different level, one that is not being done by other people. We're just trying something different with the youth and actually listen, find out what their fears are so we know how to come back and educate them. Will it work? I have no idea, but we're trying. We're, we're reaching out to, band. by the way, the music that you're hearing on today, that's the Moody River Band. Another way we're trying to engage with the youth where we've been doing this for over five years, trying to get singer-songwriters a platform where they can actually put their music out there and at the same time, get bands and musicians and actors and entertainment people not to protest us, but to actually engage with us. Again, we're not trying to pat ourselves on the back, but we're trying. We're not just talking about it. We're not just showing up to an industry event saying we got to do this and we got to do that. The crude life's doing it. Join us. Join us. Be a part of it. It's a blast. When you love what you do, when you love this industry like I do, man, it's a blast going to these kids and just showing them how much fun it is. Crank that music up and let them know where that energy comes from. How do you like that, provolone? All right, what do we got for our next headline here? I, I got to end on that. I mean, I got a whole bunch of new to get on that. Because we did, we were, Shale New Deal, I think that's a mistake. I, I think the idea is there, but I think it validates the Green New Deal when we shouldn't have done that. So we'll explore that later and we'll talk more about that. I, just like I think we need to change the word fracking to flushing. I think the word fracking needs to go away. And I think the word flushing needs to be the new fracking. But again, that's for a different day. We'll get to that. I want to get to this third headline because I saw a dinosaur. I like dinosaurs. Okay, Reaper, and look at you. You trying to is this is this you trying to relate? Is this you trying to kiss my butt to get back on the air so you can talk? So you're not put on, you know, the hazing probation that you've never been able to get off of because it's about dinosaurs, fossil fuels. I mean it works, but mostly because I like to I always got the green pie right in trivial pursuit first. I was I always knew my science questions. Reaper of death, new species of tyrannosaur discovered in Canada. Ooh, it's a Canadian story too. 
The fossil of a new species of Tyrannosaur has been discovered in Canada, according to a study released Monday. The monstrous beast was named the Reaper of Death due to its fearsome predatory behavior. And since that's the two paragraphs, I'm going to just leave it there and say this, that I am so glad to see they're still finding dinosaurs. I, I think it's one of the coolest things, the fossils out there. But what I find fascinating is when you talk to some anthropologists and geologists when it comes to fossils and the land behind that, like the levels of arsenic, for example, that do such a great job of preserving those types of fossils through the year. And then also those same levels that are doing such a great job finding these, environmentalists are now turning around and using them as saying fracking is causing those levels to be spiked high when they've been there for 100 years. See, see what I did there? I have a hard time not going back on that. So, uh, But anyway, we're, I'm very excited about this. Thank you, Provolone. I'm going to read this later. I do like to find out about this. You know, we actually have on the crude life uh, several anthropologists and archaeologists. Did I say anthropologists earlier? I meant archaeologists. Apologize. And we're not editing, remember? It's a podcast. We're not editing. So if it happened on the podcast, it was meant to be. Just like live radio and TV provolone. We agreed on that in the meeting, and we agreed on that. That was a mutual back and forth, buddy. So I'm not, you're not getting out of that. I said anthropologist. I stand by it. I now switch it to archaeologist. I'm able to do that. Sorry, folks. A little bit of a sidebar meeting here. But uh, we've got some great uh, interviews on that where they talk about some of the history of the land and, and some of the history of the energy industry working with archaeologists trying to preserve the land and then also why that land is still being preserved. So uh, fantastic uh, past interviews at The Crude Life. You know what, Provolone, uh, maybe, maybe put a link or two on the website later if you have a chance. So all those headlines are available at thecrudelife.com on our show page. Okay, one more time, we'd like to mention our sponsor. They allow us to keep our lights on so we can interform and infotain and even interrain about how those lights continue to stay on and what is behind making that energy happen. It's not just a light switch, folks. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's companies like Crestwood that are allowing our lights to stay on and allowing us to have our food on the tables and all these fun stuff. Crestwood Equity Partners, their operations and financial results are divided into three segments that include gathering and processing, storage and transportation, and marketing, supply, and logistics. Across their three segments, Crestwood is engaged in the gathering, processing, treating, compression, storage, and transportation of natural gas, storage, transportation, and marketing of NGLs. For more information on Crestwood Equity Partners, visit CrestwoodLP.com. That's CrestwoodLP.com. Welcome back to the Crude Life Podcast. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us here. We're sitting in the Hatch Coaching Studios and Provolone, 
is our entitled intern manning the production elements of the program. And we're about to join Watford City High School student ambassadors Emma, Taylor, Ellie, and Lydia to discuss the program, what their experiences are with industry, and what it's like growing up in an oil and gas community. Here are Watford City High School students Emma, Taylor, Ellie, and Lydia. Hi, I'm Taylor Ewing. I'm originally from Idaho, and I'm a senior. Hi, I'm Emma Mogan, and I am a junior, and I am originally from Watford City. Um, I'm Ellie Schmitz from Watford City, North Dakota. Hi, I'm Lydia. I'm originally from Minnesota, and I'm also a junior. You guys are part of the Student Ambassador programs. Uh, Taylor, we'll start with you. What interests you about your Student Ambassadorship, the programs and that sort of thing? Um, well, basically, all that... What our main focus and our main goal is, is to um, maintain and to grow our uh, population here in Watford City and to show all of the good things that come with living here. Um, we like to help get involved in all of the oil field companies and get our school involved and our ambassadors program and student council involved and um, just try to make um, all the people who are moving here from all different states make them feel welcome and make them um, feel part of our North Dakota family and feel as home here. Um, I'm Emma and uh, my main interest in this is uh, like I'm an athlete and I like the idea of getting people more involved in the kids knowing that like we have good sports programs and other programs within the school that they can get more involved in and enjoy. So they would like to stay here more. And um, I would really like to convince people to be a part of our community. I'm Ellie, and my main interest is getting as many people to Watford City um, as possible because it's a really um, fun, welcoming community, and we just want to have more op opportunities here for everyone, and the more people we have, the more opportunities we can give all our students and all our community members. Um, I'm Lydia. Coming from out of state, this is a different opportunity that we didn't have in my hometown. So getting to see this come to life is really cool and getting to help all these kids coming from out of state. They might be scared like one of us was moving here and making them feel welcome and not scared to be here and getting them to want to stay because this town has a lot to offer for their students and anyone that comes here. So getting to watch them, I guess, thrive and have all these new opportunities they won't get elsewhere is really cool. Uh, Taylor and Lydia, this is for the two of you, and then Emma and Ellie, you'll be next, because the two of you grew up in Watford, right? Yes. And the two of you moved in here. Yes. And um, those are two completely different worlds. Um, the two out-of-towners, how long have you guys been here? And just talk to me about your integration process. Um, I'm Taylor, and I moved here in the middle of seventh grade, and we all know as junior high kids, that's... Uh, hard transition and so when I came here it was difficult for me to make friends and it wasn't the I guess I put I pushed myself away because I was scared and I missed my home but um, the more I got to be around the people of North Dakota and the more that I got to 
um, share my times and memories with them. I learned how much of a, like a wonderful place this was. And um, moving, I just know that coming from where I did in Idaho and moving to North Dakota and being put in the positions that I've been put in and learning and growing from where I am, I definitely wouldn't be in the same place um, here in North Dakota that I would be in Idaho. Um, so, yeah, I moved here in fifth grade at the beginning of the year, and I kind of had the same problem. I didn't make friends very well. I kind of pushed myself away. I just wanted to move home and be close to my family again. But growing up here, it got me to see all the opportunities this town has to offer and everything that we're getting started now as we've all gotten older is really cool to watch and creating I definitely would not have the same opportunities I have here that I would back in Minnesota so that's really cool to see and getting to be a part of these on the other side rather than being the kid coming in and getting to help them and just kind of telling them like yeah this might kind of suck when you first get here but if you let it help you it will and it'll open a lot of doors for you in your future. Thank you, Lydia, uh, Emma, Ellie, and hearing the same thing that they had, which was, you know, making friends, and those are some pretty common things, but you guys are in leadership positions as well. So after talking about growing up, transition into kind of that leadership role because making new kids feel welcome is part of that leadership role. Go ahead. Ellie, we'll start with you. Um, I think that it's been so cool watching our little town grow. We have so many more stores and community um, opportunities around. So um, as our school's grown, um, so is our student council program. So there's more opportunities for people to be in the leadership position. And I think that's really cool to watch um, new students who haven't been here that long join student council or join the basketball team or any sort of club we have at Watford City. I think it's really cool um, to watch them take those opportunities and to um, start opening up and finding out that Watford City is a really good place to be and a really fun community to be in. Um, I'm Emma, and um, living here all my life, basically, um, I've watched like my sisters growing up and stuff like that, and we it's been so like small and like everyone supported each other, and as we've like grown, um, and like the town has grown, we've gotten more and more people with the oil boom. And this has just created a bigger opportunity for us to reach more people and create this kind of program and like give more people opportunities to be in different clubs because like before we didn't have enough like interests for different things and now we do because of the people. And it's really exciting to watch Watford City grow the way it has. How about uh, Lydia Taylor, the two of you out of state? You mentioned you had some reservations and some fears about integrating in, and now you guys are in leadership roles. Um, talk about how you ended up doing that and why this program, I guess, attracted you to it. Um, I'm Taylor. Uh, so I think just as every family and every kid who does move to a new town, um, they always have those fears. They always have those struggles and those just basic nerves. Um, and so I think that's what I was feeling was just those what everybody feels just scared, nervous, new things, um, just something I wasn't used to. But uh, once I finally um, put myself out there and kind of found out who I was and wanted to take control of 
helping the school grow and helping the community grow and helping other kids transition here better than um, being scared and help them feel better about moving here. Um, this program op our, this program was opened up and immediately, I think our entire student council was very interested in it. But um, being, a part, being a leader in the school has um, really helped me grow from who I like came to North Dakota being and like I've grown to be this leader because I have put myself out there and I've um, reached out for different opportunities and seen all of the good in North Dakota and I've um, used the school and everything that like all of the resources that it gives us and our community. Um, most people who come from big towns don't have opportunities to serve on councils or committees and um, for me personally, I serve with the county census and the county coalition, and I know that I wouldn't have been able to serve on that if I came from a bigger town. And um, I just want to help people see all of the different opportunities that they have here. I'm Lydia. It kind of the same deal for me. I put myself out there. I my parents kind of pushed me to find something you want to do and like go do it. We'll support you. Um, it was kind of a hard time the first couple years finding something I like to do, but as I got older, more opportunities came up, and they all had I had interest in all of them, so I kind of just took opportunity of that and kind of threw myself right in there. So this program definitely like showed me who I can be and helped me build my leadership position in this town and the community. Um, I don't currently serve on any city boards, but it's... I've seen my sister and the people at this school serve on them and it's a great opportunity and it helps them build their future and open new doors for them getting to help like that. So I guess just being in a leadership position now really opened my eyes to see like there's so much to offer and there's so much these kids can do to build their potential for the future and even now just build opportunities that will help them. How about when it comes to like the leadership roles with the workforce out there? Um, is anybody finding a pretty good, I mean, you mentioned city leadership role. I didn't even know that exists, by the way. Is anybody in that city leadership role she's talking about? What is that? Um, just how I'm, I'm Taylor and just how I'm in the county coalition and the county census. I'm just a student representative. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know that exists. So, okay. Yeah, so that's a super cool opportunity that our kids can take a hold of and mm -hmm. get initiative and get involved in the community. And maybe that being in those have helped kids to see what they want to do in their future and to see how a city runs and how um, there's lots of people who help make our city great. How about the workforce side of things? Um, that's kind of introducing you guys to some new skills, that sort of thing. Talk to me, but especially the two that grew up here. Um, you've watched this grow right before your eyes, literally. Um, talk to me about that. I mentioned opportunities before. Um, I know it's when you're young, it's hard to understand what opportunities are, but I drove into town and saw JL beers and I thought, wow, there's opportunity for somebody to work there. That probably never existed five years ago, you know, with more options like that that are out there, but you guys are learning more of the skills. So um, go with that and however you'd like to run with it when it comes to what you guys are learning in the um, workforce area. I'm Ellie and I know that there has been a huge um, growth for job options and opportunities. We have several more restaurants in town. We have lots of larger grocery stores. We have more banks. Um, basically anything that you can think of, we now 
um, have the opportunity to do in Watford City. I know the oil field has been a big um, part of our growth and with that brought so many jobs and so many different opportunities for families to come and move up here. Um, with me personally, um, I've worked at Wolf Pup Daycare and that was um, something that I thought was really fun because I got to see um, all the different jobs from the parents that came to pick up their kids. You could just see what kind of job that they worked in based on what they wore to pick up their kids. And I just thought that that was so um, interesting to just see all the different jobs that are out there that I didn't even know existed with the growing um, population. You know, we did a story a few years ago on the um, clothing of the oil patch. And in Wall Street, if you wear an Armani suit, that's like top of the line, right? In the Bakken, if you wear FR clothing, that's the Armani suit of the Bakken. <laughs> just fire-resistant clothing. So, uh, anyway, sorry, go ahead. Um, I'm Emma, and I, I've lived here my whole life, and I have seen it go from a very small town with not much to do um, to where it is now with, like, so many opportunities coming in for jobs. I've never had a job, personally, because I'm busy with my sports and stuff, but um, my siblings have had many opportunities for different jobs um, along with lots of people I've talked to coming in like my friends are getting jobs and um, there's great just great opportunities for them as people to figure out what they want to do at a young age and yeah um, I'm Ellie, Ellie yes Another thing that I think comes with being in the oil field, all of our jobs are a very high paying, so it's good for students to be able to work. You don't have to work that many hours to um, make a lot of money for college or anything that you're going to be doing in your future. How about the API event? You guys went there. It was kind of a big crowd there and some bright lights, if you will. Uh, how was the experience there? Lydia, you want to start? Sure. Um, it was definitely a new experience for all of us. I've never been to anything like that. My family isn't like directly like their works aren't related to the oil field. So getting to see that and all those people come together to celebrate each other and all their accomplishments for the year was really cool. Um, I'm Ellie, and I think the banquet was um, a very eye-opening experience just to see um, all the people come together who work in the oil field and just really support one another. And you realize that um, everyone in the oil field isn't just working to make money for themselves. They also want to um, help everyone around them, and I thought that was really cool to see. I'm Emma, and I really enjoyed the experience that I had. Um, it was nice to watch people be grateful for um, others that had been around throughout the like start of the boom to like where it is now and recognizing each other for each accomplishment they have made and just coming together and it was fun. How about what's next for some of you? Are any of you planning jobs in the oil field or going to... Uh school for anything involving with the oil field or is there a skill that you're particularly interested in that maybe uh, Patrick needs to get 
involved here that uh, you know chef or something like that you know thinking outside the box a little bit doesn't have to be all oil field related because go ahead um so a good uh program that we have with our school that's through our ag and business department is the cwe program for career work experience um the high school seniors have the opportunity to spend a couple hours of their day uh working in one of the companies in our town um and that can go from like the daycare or you can uh, shadow a welder or I am like a receptionist at our electric company and um, or we have kids who go and they work at the hospital and there's just so many different opportunities that come with that and you get to get involved with all of the different um, businesses around and all of the different work experiences so it's a good uh, transition to for the high school's kids to kind of see what real life is like, what real work life is like, and to see what the oil field has to offer because there are a lot of our kids in the program who do work um, oil field jobs and who do see themselves going right to the workforce and not into college. And so this is a good opportunity for them to set a base and for them to um, get involved already. And uh, I know that some of the jobs that are through the CWE program are starting to mentor and to have kids shadow like there's one who's shadowing a welder and learning the trade and so that's um you could be learning lots of different skills while you're in this kind of job how about anybody else uh some of the leadership roles what do you guys want to see happen with this i mean it's it sounds like it's kind of a new program that you guys are going to have some input on that you guys can mold it and i don't know if that's true or not but i'm kind of i'm thinking so anything new in the beginning the people in the beginning have got their input that can help shape it. So is there anything that you guys are liking about this? Anything that you want to see maybe go a different direction, et cetera? I'm Ellie and I'm really liking how involved the community is with our school. We're starting to get more attendance at basketball games and um, sporting events. And I think that's really important for the community to come support our students and help them know that um, they are doing um, good and their leadership positions are helping others. Um, I'm really hoping to see um, this ambassador program grow more so that uh, the new students don't even have to like be afraid. They're like, oh yeah, I hear about Watford City. I wanna move there. I think it's super cool. So I'd really like to see um, more, uh, I guess, interest in the ambassador program from people who already live here. That way, we can start bringing everyone's families up here so families don't have to be living in different places. I'm Lydia. Watching this ambassador program from the start to what it's at now has changed a ton. We work very closely with Pat's company, MBI, and we go and we talk to one of their crews and their workover crew uh, just about like the free tuition the college the next town over has and everything this school has to offer and they were all really excited to have us keep coming back and keep asking them to find ways to get involved so they get to help out with the school and I'm excited to see where this goes because we have a couple more companies lined up to go talk to and I'm excited to see who else has an interest in having us come speak and trying to get involved with the school. This is Emma and I think this ambassador's program has really opened um, workers eyes uh, here in Watford, like realizing that 
bringing their kids and their families is an option and it wouldn't be the worst situations like situation to move up here even though it's really a hard um, switch for some people from like moving from Florida who never have snow and then come here and it's snow almost all the time so um, I I think it's really um, helped people um, keep moving here as an option and so they can have their families with them. Um, Taylor here. Uh, I just think that um, for this ambassadors program being one of um, the start of it I think is super important and it's special for us kids to like be able to um, start it just here in the high school but I know that there's lots of different opportunities for it to grow into um, different towns and I think that's what I would like to see most is that other towns in this area and um, even in other states who are facing the same issue that they can start up this program and they can learn from us and how the success that we're getting from it. Um, also I just think that it's not just us kids at the high school who are making it happen. It's everybody else who gets involved. It's everybody who supports the high school. It's everybody who supports um, going to the games, going to our musical concerts, going to um, just support everything that we do. And there's the only thing that's gonna make it work is the relationships. And so the relationships that the school can make with companies can really help develop families when they move to North Dakota. Any final thoughts, anything we left out, anything you want to reiterate, or anything that uh, you think people should? I'm Ellie. Um, another thing um, we have in Watford City is we really have a need for child care. And just because of all the families that are moving up here with young kids who aren't in school yet, um, Wolf Pup Daycare has a long waiting list. And just because there isn't that many options to take your children to in Watford City. So we have a $5,000 grant um, if you would want to start an at-home daycare. So that's something that wouldn't be that hard to do and it would really help um, with the childcare problem that we have. Is that the place you worked at? You say you worked, right? Yeah. Yeah, wow, look at you. You are being a student leader. Mm -hmm. uh, anybody else have any final thoughts or anything? Um, going back on the Williston State that I mentioned earlier, that is the college that's about 45 minutes away from Watford City. They offer a regional scholarship to surrounding counties. They pay for your tuition. Um, you get two, four semesters paid for all your credits. They are, have to be consecutive semesters, so fall and spring, and then fall and spring of the next year but they cover all your fees and tuition and you can apply scholarships on top of that so it's not just that so if you need if you get a scholarship for housing you can pay for it on top of your free tuition and they are opening lots of new programs they just revamped their agriculture program and they're starting a new campus actually here in Watford City next year for their nursing program and that's really just a good opportunity for the students in the surrounding counties that maybe don't know what they want to do and don't want to pay all that money for college. They can go, a lot of people go and get their two years done for their generals and then they transfer when they have a better idea. Or they just have two year degrees for like welding, diesel mechanics. So that really opens up a lot of opportunities for students around here too, just to get a good idea of what they want before they go and spend all that money in college somewhere else. To listen to the full length interview, visit thecrudelife.com.
historic. The first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative. The cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. that's going to do it for today's podcast. I'd like to thank Watford City High School students Emma, Taylor, Ellie, and Lydia for joining today's program, as well as coming up in just a moment or two, Kirsten Jesperson with Mile High Employment Solutions to give us the top three professional needs in the Bakken and Rocky Mountain region. Also, our headlines are available at thecrudelife.com on the show page. Crestwood Equity Partners, thank you for being a sponsor of The Crude Life. We'd like to thank you very much. And for anyone interested in knowing more about Crestwood, go to CrestwoodLP.com. That's CrestwoodLP.com. Of course, you can always click on The Crude Life's show page, and we've got the links available there as well. Also, behind these walls, our energy event of the day. Mark your calendars for Thursday, February 27th behind these walls once again the link for that is available at the crudelife.com on our show page we have the link available for behind these walls thursday february 27th also we want to mention one more thing about the crude life podcast the daily crude life podcast which can be heard every monday through thursday with a weekend review on friday the moody river band is the music that you're hearing If you have a local band or a regional band in your area, an independent singer-songwriter that would like to have their music featured on our program and links on our website, let us know. We'd love to hear from them. The Moody River Band, by the way, they give their music out for free. So if you go to thecrudelife.com and click on the Moody River Band, you can download their music for free. Uh, we got to change it up a little bit, by the way. I mean, I love, when I said I love, you know... um, the song, like, Gonna Be Me as our theme song, I didn't mean every time. That's okay. That's okay, Provolone. That's okay. You're doing fine. But maybe, you know, a couple of their other songs, maybe. In, yeah, like this one. Very good. Good good save. Good save. You see that? I taught you that. See how you switched that music? You were going from one to the other. So now that's, that's part of the training. Okay. Thank you, folks, for joining us here today at The Crude Life. Here as we're in our Hatch Coaching Studios and we're about to get to our Bakken barbecue phone line where Kirsten Jesperson of Mile High Employment Solutions is going to give us those jobs. And what else do we got? What am I missing here, Provolone? Am I missing something? Because I feel like I am. I mean, I know we're running out of programs, so I mean, I should just be happy and move on. And who knows, tomorrow, maybe you'll speak. Tomorrow might be the day. Once again, folks, from the staff here at the Crude Life Podcast, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to always remember energy is more than an industry. It's a way of life. The Crude Life with host Jason Spies. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode, we talk with Kirsten Jesperson 
of Mile High Employment Solutions. In just a moment, part of our exclusive interview with Kirsten Jesperson right here on the Crude Life Daily Update. So my top three needs currently, I have a huge need for CDL water haulers. Um, That is going to be, I would say, 70% of the positions that I'm hiring for here in North Dakota are tanker drivers to haul fresh in production. Um, I have a huge need for diesel mechanics, bumper to bumper, um, ranging from fleet mechanics to you know, service mechanics that are dealing with the oil field equipment, um, and then additionally, HSE and DOT. Those are going to be my three main focuses, I would say, right now um, that we have a huge need for. Anyone interested in these positions can give us a call at 701-207-0556 or visit our website at www.mhemployment.com. I mean, I've seen, obviously, with the certifications through, you know, PEC, H2S, Safely, and some of those training courses that, you know, people can go out and get on their own or, you know, you get in with a company that will put you through those training courses on your own or on their own as well. Um, those are becoming very important in this industry. Um, you know, again, the CDL is going to be a top priority for a lot of these positions just due to the equipment that they're moving out to some of these locations. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's a, you know, full-blown CDL driving position, but they're still requiring that just due to the equipment that they're moving around. Um, you know, and I think, again, there at one point in this industry, there were companies out there that were bringing people in that didn't have CDLs and they were putting them, you know, through schools in order to obtain those. And again, that's just one of those places where the industry has shifted. We don't find that very often anymore. Um, So again, you know, there's been programs through, you know, especially with veterans through the VA um, to help people go and obtain their their CDL through schools. Um, You know, a lot of different incentives for people to go out and get those Um, those licenses to be able to open up these opportunities to them. Um, But again, on on the safety side, I think it's always beneficial to look at uh, PEC, H2S, Safeland. Those are always going to be required by these oil field companies. And that was Kirsten Jesperson of Mile High Employment Solutions. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Please check out our daily podcast Monday through Thursday with a weekend review on Friday at thecrudelife.com. That's our daily podcast at thecrudelife.com. From the staff here at the Crude Life Daily Update, my name is Jason Spies asking you to always remember energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... Make energy great again. Yes, that is the hat for the energy industry, folks. Wear it proudly. Show your support for the nation's energy industry with this attention-grabbing fashion declaration. Visit KeepEnergyGreat.com. That's KeepEnergyGreat.com. The Crude Life, every Monday through Thursday with a week in review on Friday.